Now last, uh, well, not last Sunday, but two Sundays ago, uh, we started a series called Serve with Purpose. And uh, the key verse, Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be, must be a servant. And Pastor Brandon talked about, about the key to greatness. And he talked about the truths about serving. That number one, we're all called to serve others. If you are, uh, if you are a Christian, it's not an option, right? Number two, everyone can serve regardless of your age or your ability or current circumstances. We really have no excuse for not serving. And then number three, we talked about you have a, you have to have a good attitude while you serve. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 21, be willing to serve each other. So true servants have a willing heart. They don't serve begrudgingly. They serve out of a, a, a willingness, right? And the fourth truth is our motivation for serving, it has to be right. Our motivation to serving is not so that we can get adoration or, or applause or uh, honor from man. We serve to glorify God. Is that right, saints? And so uh, week one was really the foundation. It's like the bird's eye view of, of serving. Today, I want to zoom in a little closer and talk about influencing your world. And if, in Matthew chapter 5, in verse uh, 14 through 16, it says, You are the world's light, a city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds, serving, glow for all to see, so that they will praise your heavenly Father. Now, in Matthew 5, Jesus reminds us that we are the light of the world, right? We are a city set on a hill, glowing in the night, Jesus said, for all to see. And you remember in biblical times, the, the lamp was the light. We didn't, they didn't have LED lights. They didn't have modern-day electricity. Lights were these lamps, and Jesus says, that's who you are. And then he tells them to let their light shine, and he, and he explains how to do it. He said, let your good deeds shine. Let your light shine through good deeds, which as we talked about two weeks ago, good deeds is really serving. And so in a general sense, God wants us collectively to shine our light for all to see. And so that's why this coming Saturday, we're going to have a serve day. And, you know, I was thinking about this. Have you ever been to a concert and the lights are down and everybody pulls out their iPhone and turns the light on and it just illuminates the place? You are old lights. And as we get into the community uh, this week, this month, you know, the group just got back from Cuba uh, this morning. Sometime early this morning, but they, they were in Cuba shining their light. But we're going to just, just go out into the community. We're going to shine our light into the community. Amen. And so I just want to mention, we have a lot of, uh, needs that are already filled with people that are serving, but, uh, there's a lot of others. We need extra help with, uh, handing out school supply flyers to invite people to come get school supplies. We have a community cleanup. We have helping the elderly to clean and organize for them, lawn care, maintenance and construction, pressure washing, uh, visiting the elderly. Uh, if you want to give blood, these are all ways that you can let your light shine. Amen. In fact, uh, somebody was telling me some of the biggest needs, those of you that know how to sweat, we need some people that are willing to sweat for Jesus. How many of you are willing to sweat for Jesus, right? 
And so I encourage you, at the end of the service, you can go either to our website, flchurch.net, you could go to the church app, or you could go into the lobby, there's an iPad there, and you can sign up. But the more people we have that go serve, the greater light we can be to the community. Amen? And so in a general sense, God wants us to serve collectively. But also, in a, spe- in a more specific sense, God wants us to serve individually and personally. How many of you know, we just don't turn our light on on Saturday. We are his light. And so we are to serve individually. We are to be his light, right? And we are to influence our world. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is influencing your world. How do you do that? Well, Jesus says you do that by serving others. You do that by doing good deeds. In Matthew 5 and verse 15 and 16, he said, don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly father. Amen. And so what we all need to remember is this. We're all influencers. We're either influencing negatively or we're influencing positively. The question we need to ask ourselves is, Am I influencing the part of the world that I'm living in in a positive way? Amen? Every one of us on Monday morning go different ways. We go to different places. And everywhere we go, God is asking us to go where you go on Monday morning and shine your light there, which is going to be different than where I go and where I can shine my light. Does that make sense? And so our God-given purpose as Christians is to positively influence the part of the world that we're living in by shining our spiritual lights through serving other people. Amen. In Acts chapter 16, I mentioned it earlier, but you know, whenever the prison doors were open and the jailer thought he was going to die, and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this is what Paul and Silas said in Acts 16, 31. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, the word household in this verse doesn't not, it doesn't only mean like those that are under your roof. Household also means those who are under the roof of your touch or your influence or your relational covering. The word household really means the sphere of your influence. So in other words, God's hope and desire is that as Christians, we would positively influence our sphere or our covering of touch. So everywhere we go, God wants us to influence the area that we're in. Amen? And that's the example Jesus set for us. Remember, why did Jesus submit and obey his heavenly Father? Because his heart was to serve the Father. Why did Jesus heal people? Because he wanted to serve them. Why did he feed the hungry? His heart was to serve them. Why did he teach them spiritual truth? His heart was to serve them. Everything Jesus did was motivated out of his desire to serve the Father and to serve other people. And so that's why the Bible says in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Amen. So when we serve, we're acting just like Jesus. Amen. So everyone has a sphere of influence. In fact, there are three 
facets to our sphere of influence. And the first one is this. Everyone has people they can influence. So those that are closest to you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, your teammates, your classmates, whatever part of the world and whatever, whatever endeavor that you're undertaking, it's usually involving people and God wants you to influence those people. In fact, the psychologists say that we all have at least 12 people in our personal sphere of influence that we spend at least one hour a day or more time with each week. And God puts us in that group of people because he wants you to impact them, to influence them. Are y'all with me? And so the reality is that you will touch people that I will never touch, that I don't even know. And so God has people that you can influence. Everyone has people they can influence. What we need to see is that people in our sphere of influence, they're not there by accident. They're, those people around you are not there by accident. God has strategically Put them in your life because he wants you to make a difference in their life by serving them. Come on, I need a better amen right there. Now, how many of you came to Christ? Let me ask, how many of you came to Christ because some really powerful preacher preached the gospel? Let me see your hands. Oh, there's one or two, three. How many of you came to Christ because either a family member or a friend leveraged their influence told you about the Lord, and that's how you got to church, and that's how you got saved. Let me see your hands. Look at the difference. You see, listen, God doesn't use, you know, uh, he can use special events and all that, but God usually, usually reaches people through people. And so I want you to understand that, you know, statistics say that over 90% of people that come to Christ, it's not because they stumble and cross in, in the church, heard the gospel, and they got saved. 90% or more of the people that get saved is because somewhere at some time they had somebody in their workplace, in their, in their family that knew Christ and reached them with the love of God. Amen? That's how I came to Christ. So Mark 5, 19 says, now go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. How many of you believe God is a merciful God? Amen? And so now, don't miss this. God puts people in our sphere of influence so we can tell them about the Lord, about the goodness of God, about how good God is. How many of you would agree that God has been good to you? Amen? And so listen. Now listen, I think it's better if we don't have to tell them what the Lord has done for us, but they can see what the Lord has done for us. Amen. It's better if they can see God's light instead of us having to preach to them and tell them about God's light. Right? So you have people. You have people that God wants to use you to influence. He said, you are the light of the world. You see, his light to reach the dark world is the church, is the body of the believers. And as we go to our separate ways, as we leave this place today, there are lights going throughout the community. And God's purpose is to bring greater light to a dark world that needs to know the love of God and the mercy of God. Amen. The second facet to our sphere of influence is everyone has places they can influence. That's the geographical place. It's the uh, 
the location that you're living in. It's your city. It's your neighborhood. It's your home, your school, your workplace. And God puts us in specific places so that we can have impact or influence. In Acts 17.26, it says this, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. In other words, God determines where we're going to live. God determines where we're going to exist. God determines. Listen, thank God he made me a Cajun and he put me in Acadiana where I can eat boudin and cracklings. Amen. But how many of you know that's not accident? Thank God Brother Merlin is in Washington, D.C., and he can be a light in the, in the nation's capital. Amen. But God puts you where you are for a reason. It's not an accident. And here's what this means. You're in that neighborhood or that apartment complex on purpose. God wants you to influence people right where you are. Listen, you're working in that business on purpose. God wants you to be a positive influence in that business that you go to every day. God has put you in that school or on purpose. You are God's light in that place that he's planted you in. Amen? And so we have to understand God has a reason for having you there. And God wants you to influence the people that are in that place. And so God wants you to influence and be a light. Do you know that you as a Christian, not because we're anything special, it's who's in us that's special. But when you walk into a building as a child of God, that place is better off because you're there. Not because you're something special. It's because of the Jesus that's on the inside of you that is special. And when Jesus walks into a room, it's not going to be the same. Can I get a better amen? I remember when I worked offshore on the rigs, you know, and um, it never ceased to amaze me how God would strategically connect me with people. You know, I told you this story about I was in my bunk reading my Bible and a guy comes in and starts, you know, talking to me about, you know, all that. And I told you about the time they made fun of me, all that. But I didn't tell you about all the all the great stories. I'd be on the rig and there's a bunch of burly men full of grease and, you know, and all that and rough as, you know, as can be. And I'd be in the corner reading my Bible or just being quiet. I wouldn't even say anything. And they say, what's the matter with you? So what do you mean, what's the matter with me? Why are you not cussing? I said, well, I didn't realize I wasn't, you know. But, you know, it was amazing to me. I start talking to somebody. It's like, well, my wife's a Christian. And I'd say, ah, God, you got me here to show this man that men serve Jesus. That you can be on an all-field rig and give glory and honor to God and serve Jesus. Amen? I talked to another guy. Oh, you're a Christian? Yeah. My dad's a pastor. I say, oh, God's got me here for a reason. Come on. Do you think God has you where you are for a reason? He wants you to shine your light. There are people right there where you go to school, where you live, where you work, where, where you hang out. God's got you there. And he wants to use you. And remember the way that you shine your light is to serve people, not tell them everything you know. 
Have you ever visited with somebody and they spent about two hours telling you about how great they were? Doesn't that move you to want to serve Jesus? Amen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Come on. The way we shine our light is not carry our big booming Bible and tell them repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No, we just serve people. Come on, y'all with me. How do you, how do we influence? It's not by rebuking them, criticizing them, or condemning them. It's by letting our light shine, by loving them and serving them. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthy noble and good deeds. And recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Amen. The third facet of our sphere of influence is our personal passion. And uh, your passion are those things that burn in your heart. That you have a strong burden for. Like, for instance, uh, some people have a strong fire or, de- or desire to reach a certain people or a certain demographic. Or do a certain thing for, like your passion may be for a certain part of the world. Some people have a burden. They have a passion to go somewhere across the world to minister the gospel. Some people have a passion for children, for youth, for businessmen, for single mothers, for the elderly, etc. Your passion may be for those who are grieving. We had training this yesterday to help people to get equipped to reach the grieving or celebrate recovery. We have those that that God delivered, and now they say, I want to help others get delivered. Amen. Feeding the homeless, or maybe it's those that are in need of physical help or emotional healing. God puts a burning fire in us. You know why? Because he wants us to use that fire to reach those that usually come from where we come from. Amen? And you know, sometimes the people that love children is because they were neglected as children. Now when they want to help children, come on, some people, the reason why they want to help the grieving is they know what it's like to be stuck in a pit for years in grief. Now they say, I want to help somebody else, and they go serve people that are grieving. Amen? And so God wants to use that. God puts passion or a fire in our heart for something or someone, because he's wanting you to influence them. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, this verse doesn't mean the Lord will give you whatever you want. Oh, I want to rob a bank. He's not going to give you that, right? It means he will give you the desires and put desires in your heart. He'll give you the desires that he wants you to have. And most of the time, when he puts a strong burden or desire, it's because he's got a heart for those people and wants you to go help them. Amen? So we're talking about people, places, and we're talking about passion. What's burning in your heart? What's the fire in your belly? What do you have a strong desire for? Perhaps that's an indicator of the particular area that God wants you to reach out to. You know. When it says, delight yourself in the Lord, I've found that the closer you get to God, the more you surrender to God, the more you're willing to serve God, not for personal edification. It's not for our glory, it's for His glory. 
And so we can't serve so people can pat us on the back. We can't serve to say, oh, what a mighty man you are. What a mighty woman you are. We need to serve so God gets all the glory and the honor. And they say, I want to know the God that you know. Amen. Serving people. I want to encourage you, if you hadn't been, after each service is the Next Steps class, jump in the Next Steps class because you're going to learn more about, about this principle. So three facets of our sphere of influence. And I want you to think about it like concentric circles. And you're a light. And everywhere you go, there's people that God wants you to touch. There's places God planted you in. Because He wants you to impact the people that are in your circle. Amen? And then there's passions. There's there's burning desires that God puts inside of us. And if we will just follow that, God will use us to reach the people that have never been reached before. Amen? And listen, I can tell you, when we go out Saturday in the various places and start serving people, we'll just be cutting grass, organizing to whatever it is, feeding them, whatever it is we're going to do. Pressure washing, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, people are going to come here next Sunday to get free school supplies, and they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're going to get saved, and they're going to come to Christ. And all we did was try to help them and say, here's a gift from us. You don't have to pay us for it. It's yours. Have it. Give it to your kids and let them get an education. Amen? There are going to be people in the nursing home. It happens all the time. They're loving up on the elderly and just some of them have not got a hug or haven't had anybody smile and talk to them in, in a months. And somebody walks in with a light and loves on them. And the workers say, where y'all are from? Where do y'all come from? And before you know it, you're lifting up Jesus and telling them about the goodness of God. Come on, y'all getting this? Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Amen. That's, listen, going to church is not about us. It's about him. So how do we increase our influence? Let me, let me just quickly give you some practical ways to increase your influence. Number one, sharpen your behavioral and people skills. We increase our influence when we get better at the way we treat people. So let me tell you what's a way you don't want to treat people. When you walk around, like, like even in this church, don't just walk around and just bypass everybody. Why don't you take a minute and say, how are you doing today, sir? You know, I call people that fill out the welcome cards at the end of the service. I call them on Sunday night. And just thank them for coming. As many as I can. And so many times people say, I really enjoyed the service. And they don't say, that sermon time. That sermon lit me up. You know what they say? The people were so loving. You know what that tells me? Whether this church can reach more people is not dependent on the man behind a sacred desk. It depended on the lights that are in the pew that is willing to go into the world and learn to behave properly and get better at people skills. Amen? Come on, y'all. We all tracking with me this morning. Well, Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 
Now notice what it says here. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. That's character. That's behavior. That's people skills. And so did you know how you treat people or talk to people has everything to do with your influence? You've heard that saying, people don't care how much you know. What they want to know is, do you care? They want to know who you, do you care? And so listen, so our ability to connect with people determines the level of influence we can have on people. Amen? I love Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Our conversation, how we speak to people, should always be full of grace. Come on, somebody say amen. I want to say, oh my. You know, so you know the translation of that is don't be ugly. Don't judge, criticize, cut people down. How about you be nice, uplifting, affirming, and give people words of encouragement? Amen? Come on, how many know they got plenty of people that don't, that do that other part, right? But not as many people are willing to come around and be uplifting and encouraging and help people. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when Lauren was here, Lauren Daigle was here having her concert. Tanya and I went to see her play, uh, her concert the last night. And it was kind of late after it was over and we went to get something to eat. And we were at, had been years since we ended up at the Waffle House. Now, you shouldn't talk about food whenever you're preaching to people, right? Well, where are you going? Where are you going? Go and get me a waffle. That's where I'm going. But we were, so we were ordering, and uh, and so I think this waitress was kind of new, and and so uh, we were ordering, and Tanya said, I want a waffle, and I said, oh, I want a waffle too. Can we have a double waffle, but we got to split the waffle, and she, and she looks at me and says, what? Like, you want two double waffles? No, we're going to, we want one double waffle, and, and you know, and so, so finally I said, okay, we want one double waffle. And we're going to split the double waffle. And she got it. And Tanya says, Todd, you were ugly. Come on. Anybody ever, 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 that ever happened to anybody else? Please don't leave me hanging here, please. Okay, so now listen. You think I can tell that lady about the love of God after I was just ugly to her? See what I'm saying? How are we going to be a light if we're the most caustic people on the face of the earth? we got to learn to be loving, gracious, speak words of affirmation and encouragement. Who do we think we are that we can just walk around tearing up the people that God created? Amen? Come on, help me preach this morning. So I, I tried the best I could to change my tune right there. None of us are perfect. But if your character, your behavior, your people skills aren't very good, we need to work on them. We need to work at getting better. And we need to remember that every waitress or waiter, every cashier, every person that we come in contact is not just a dude or a girl 
It's a child of God. Amen? Amen. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your hands, just as we've told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Come on, make it your ambition. Amen. So we need to work on our people skills, our behavioral skills. Number two, a second practical way to increase your influence is be aware of the needs around you. You know, sometimes we miss great opportunities to serve others because we're not aware of what's happening. You know, listen, we're too self-centered. We're too focused on ourselves and our needs instead of being aware and sensitive to those that are around us. It's just natural to, like, worry about me. But if I'm going to understand what's happening to people around me, I have to be aware of them. I love what it says in Matthew 9:36. As he saw the crowds, his heart was filled with pity for them because they were worried and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Now, although Jesus saw this crowd, there was a crowd of people. But yet in the crowd, he noticed that they were worried and they were distressed. In other words, he was aware of what was going on in people's lives. How many of you know you can't pick up on what's going on? You can't pick up that somebody's discouraged, that somebody's heavy-hearted, unless you're aware and you become sensitive. And so instead of just seeing the crowd of people, I think we need to be just a little bit more like Jesus, and we need to become more aware of the needs of those around us. Amen? To better serve others, we have to become sensitive to the needs of others. And that's what servants do. They look for opportunities to minister to the needs of others. First Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering the grace of God. You know the word servant, whenever you look at the, 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 the Greek or the, the, you know, the, the original language of serving, it actually means like a waiter or a waitress. It means like putting a, a, you know, a cloth over your arm and, and being a waiter. Now think about this with me. A good waiter or waitress, you don't have to tell them, uh, can I have some utensils? Can I have something to drink? A good waiter or waitress doesn't wait till you tell them what you need. A good waiter or waitress, they put their, put your utensils, they put your what, you need anything else? What else would you like to drink? Need any appetizers, right? They're just at it. And before you can even ask, they're filling up your water. They're, come on, how many of you like a waiter or a waitress like that, right? Don't you love it whenever they got a waiter or a waitress and they're in a corner and they're looking at their iPhone? And man, you, you, you feel like you've been in Sahara Desert. You're so parched. I mean, that bread you just ate took all the saliva out your mouth. And man, you, you're ready to go in the kitchen and say, y'all got some water in here. And whenever you think about it, we are waiters or waitresses in our homes, in our neighborhoods in our workplaces, at the church, in the community. And instead of people having to come and tell us, hey, I need, we're aware and sensitive and say, can I help you? Amen? That's what's serving, influencing our world. How? Through serving. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God divinely puts us in places 
so we could minister and we could reach people. See, we're in Scott. God wants us to reach this area of our city, not exclusively, but he planted us here. He put us here. He put you in Cajun land, not just so you could have Boudin and Cracklins, but so that you can make an, an impact on the people in this area. Amen? You getting this? And then finally, a third practical way to increase your influence is learn to share your story. How many of you have a story? What's your story? You have to learn to tell your story. You know, your story is your testimony. It's what God has done. How many of you have something to say? God has, God has touched my life. And so listen, 1 Peter 3, 5 says, but in your heart set apart Christ as the Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have in you. We need to learn to share our story in a, in a quick, not in an hour, but like five minutes. And you can share your story. There are three parts to your story. Before Christ, receiving Christ, and after Christ. Amen? And so you share your story. Man, I was empty. I was lost. I was on drugs. I was an alcoholic. Whatever your story is. I, I was raised in church, but I, I, I didn't feel like I was close to God. Whatever it is. And then, so you share where you are. Before Christ, I was empty. I was lonely. I was looking for purpose. I, I, I was looking for identity. And then somebody told me about Christ, about the goodness of God and how Jesus forgives. And, and Jesus will give you a new life if you surrender to him and serve him. And I accepted him. And since I received Christ and salvation, my life has not been after Christ. My life has not been the same. I wake up every morning with purpose. I don't have this emptiness that I had so long. I don't have to get stoned to have meaning in life. I don't have to drink myself under the, under the coffee table to feel like I'm having fun. Jesus changed my world and I am so glad that he saved me. That's my story. Come on. Do you have a story? You got to share your story. Be prepared to give the hope that is in you, man. That's my story. I'm telling you. That's my story. You have a story. And God wants you to get, be able to tell your story. So listen, it's great if we go help people. But we need to never forget this. We can't truly influence somebody and change their life until we introduce them to Jesus. They can have a belly full, but they'll wake up the next morning still hungry. Are y'all with me out there? I mean, you can help them, and you can encourage them. You can affirm them. But we ultimately want to connect them to Jesus because he's the one that will change their life. Amen? Our number one goal for helping and serving people is to shine our light and to help introduce people to Jesus. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. In other words, they'll be motivated to want to serve the God that you serve. God has given every one of us the ministry of reconciliation, which means helping people 
come to Christ. It's not just the pastor's job or the church leader's job. It's every Christian's job. Amen? In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. You might be sitting here this morning and said, man, I need that, Todd. I, I need Christ. I'm empty. I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling without purpose. Well, that's why you're here today. It's because God drew you. Because he don't want you to be lost any longer. He don't want you to live empty any longer. He wants to change your life. And all you have to do is just be willing to open up your heart to him, be willing to repent, ask him to forgive you, turn from that way of living, and start living for him. Would you bow your head with me right now? If you're here today and you say, Todd, I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian, would you come back up here, brother? I don't know. Just start playing on that little instrument right there. This might be your day for your life to change. While everybody's praying, have their heads down and praying, I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. You have to acknowledge your need. If you're here today and say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm ready to surrender to Christ. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Just raise your hand. Just hold it up. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Anywhere else? This is your moment. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand as well. Maybe you've at one time was serving God, but somehow you drifted away and now you've, you're, you've drifted away from God and now it's time to come back and you're ready to come back, to surrender, to, to just give the Lord a fresh commitment. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Sir, I see your hand back here. Sir, I see your hand. Anywhere else? Sir, right over here, I see your hand. Sir, right here, I see your hand. Ma'am, right over here. The world can cause you to be distracted and you can drift away. But today's your day. Today's your day. Let's pray this prayer together as a family. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood, for my sins so I could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I'm ready to surrender. Lord, I want to live for you. I want my life to count. And I want to live my life for you. Lord Jesus, I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash my sins away. Thank you, Lord Jesus for giving me the strength to live my life for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless all of you that raised your hand. There's a card in the pew that said, I made a decision. If you'll fill that out, bring it to the lobby. We won't harass you, but we're going to pray for you by name. We have a gift for you, some tools to help you just in your spiritual walk. If you want to do that, uh, we'd be glad to help you. Amen. Somebody help me whenever I made that decision. And I'm eternally grateful for it. Amen. How many of you got a light? 
How many of you got a light? Come on. I'm not talking about a pick to light your cigarette. I'm talking about you got a light on the inside of you. You got a light down in the end. Come on, stand up with me and let's pray and ask God to use us as we go and serve. Listen, there's still some spots available. I encourage you to sign up. Come out here uh, Saturday morning. We're going to have a rally. Um, does anybody know what time that rally is? Uh, Rob, do you have any idea? The gates open at 8 o'clock. I think we're going to have some refreshments and stuff. At 9 o'clock, we're going to have a, a, a just a fire up the troops and we're going to go let our light shine. Amen. Come on, let me pray for you. You're going to influence the world you live in. God is going to use you to minister and to help others around you. Father, I thank you for the glorious light you've given us. I thank you, Lord, you're releasing that light. Lord, you're putting the light of Jesus and you're strengthening our influence everywhere we go. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Be blessed as you go.